If uh, today is your uh, first Sunday with us at Calvary, or you haven't uh, been in a while and you're making your way back, uh, we've been preaching out of the book of 1 Peter. We're going straight through that. Um, the sermons are posted every week on our website, um, as well as on the phone app, and uh, you can catch up if you want to, or if I say something and you want to hear that again, or miss something, you can go back and check it out. Um, and uh, we, we appreciate those who uh, do watch uh, either online or, or look at them later as well. Um, but I, I, we're calling the whole series Identity in a World Full of Imposters, Who Are We? we, we there's, a, there's a thought that, that all men especially are posers. We're all putting a face out there for everybody else to see. But who are we really? And Peter is trying to describe to us in this whole book who we ought to be. What it means to be a believer, a follower of Christ, someone who wants to walk in Christ's way. And then what does that look like in this world in which we live? How, do, how does that work? And so uh, if you're using one of the few Bibles, like I said, it's page 1204 uh, in that Bible. And, and you are more than welcome to turn there. And we're going to read this scripture uh, before we begin to make comments. I'm going to read it and I'm going to pray again. So if you'll look with me there in 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Would you pray with me just for a moment? Father, uh, we just thank you for your word. In Psalm, you said you've exalted your word above your name. Uh, Lord, we know that what you want us to know, you, you had men write down so that we could see it. And now we pray, Lord, as, as the Holy Spirit inspired men, so the Holy Spirit will come today into our minds, our hearts, and interpret your word into, for us that we might know what it says, that we might obey it, that we might uh, follow what you command in Jesus' name. And we ask it. Amen. It's only three verses today, but again, as always, there's a lot packed into there. God put, put a lot in there. And I've called today's sermon, sermon the identity and longing. And, and that sounds odd to me. Uh, and I'm getting this out of the, 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 the version that we're using, the ESV. In verse 2, it says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. If you, if you have a King James or another version, some versions say desire. Uh, the, the spiritual milk, um, and, and, but it's talking about longing, and, and it's down in the middle of my sermon before I define longing, but I'm going to go ahead and define it now so you get, catch on to it. This word that in the SV is translated longing, which is really a, an even better word than desire, because desire can be, mean a lot of things, um, is that it is to yearn or to dote, to dote upon. It's coming from two different words put together to give it strength. <clears throat> because it means not only to want it, to yearn for it, to dote upon it, but it is that which takes precedence over time, space, and order. In other words, it's something you want above all things. In all time, all space, no matter what is important to anybody else, is what you want. And, and so I, I wonder, what have you ever desired? What have you ever longed for in your life? Uh, that changes as we grow older, and, and, and we w might would use that word in a more casual way. Well, uh, you know, if you're hungry, you long for something to eat, right? You, you want something to eat. 
But we think of something maybe more important than that. Maybe uh, for us who are married and maybe have been a while, we, we remember uh, back when we first met uh, for the guys, that, that young lady and boy, did we want to win her over? Did we want to get her attention and win her over? And, and so we long for that. And, 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 and then some of you forgot that after you got married. Uh, you're supposed to continue that as you, as you go forward, guys, just to let you know. Uh, and, and we long for stuff. Sometimes we long for things, you know. Uh, and, and what I've realized as I've grown older is things go away. Right? In fact, we, we see people... And I'm not saying they're wrong, but I just want you to think about this. We see people who maybe train their whole life to be an athlete, that they might win a gold medal at the Olympics, or be on a championship sports team. And so many times we see in the news uh, that those who have achieved some of the highest things that this life has to offer, then go into a deep depression because what else is there? It reminds us of Alexander the Great who conquered the known world before he was 30 years old and then killed himself because there were no more worlds to conquer. Because he lived to do that. The Christian lives for eternity, not for just the here and now. Are you with me? The Christian lives or should live for eternity, for something much bigger and greater than we are that lasts Forever, And this is what Peter is wanting us to see, that if we're going to long for something in the very definition of this word, it will transcend time. It will transcend space. It will transcend all other important lists. What's at the top of the list? And, and so I want you to take this home for you, with you today, that your heart's main longing ought to be the pure spiritual milk that causes you to grow in Christ. Okay, that's a long one, so I'm going to leave it up there for a minute so you, you get it. Your heart's main longing ought to be the pure spiritual milk that causes you to grow in Christ. Well, we got a lot of words to define in this passage today. And I want to start there in verse 1, the very first word, two letters, so. <laughs> now, you can say that like so, or you can say it. So, and that's how Peter means it. It's another way to say, therefore. And you know what? When you read the Bible and you see the word therefore, you ought to look to see what it's there for, right? So that's this word. It's the same word. But here Peter just, they translate it out, so. So, so what becomes the full question, right? Well, we got to go all the way back to verse 22 in chapter 1 to see what the so is. Because what it's saying is based on this, you ought to do this. So we got to look at that real quickly. If you'll, if you'll back up a verse, uh, I mean a chapter, into chapter 1 and verse 22, it says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. There's a lot of repetitiveness in that verse. Did you hear it? You purify your soul by obeying the truth. Well, what is the truth? The truth is God's word. What's he telling us in verse 2 of chapter 2? That we ought to desire the milk of the word of God, the spiritual milk. And so he says you purify your soul by obedience to that truth. And so that you will have a sincere brotherly love. That you will actually love your brother. Anybody can pretend for a minute. Right? 
You can, you can swallow it down and pretend. Southerners are real good at this. I, I, the, the reason Southerners have a reputation for being hospitable is because we didn't have air conditioning for centuries. And it was hot. The further south you went in North America, the hotter it gets, right? So you couldn't pretend like you weren't home when people came by to visit. Because you're out sitting on your front porch. And so you had to learn to be nice to people that you really didn't want to come to your house. But boy, when you leave, do we have something to say. Because <laughs> we can pretend for a minute, right? And so we came up with phrases like, bless your heart. Right? But we want to sincerely love our brothers. We want to actually love our brothers. That only comes when we know God's truth and we apply it into our life. We obey it. Here in verse 22. And so then we love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's what happens when we obey God's word. We get a pure heart. Now you say, why did you have to go that far back? Because everything that follows that verse in chapter 1 is modifying and telling and describing the fact of verse 22. So then we come to chapter 2, verse 1. You can look there again. And he says, so... Because that you are trying to obey the word of God so that you can have a pure heart and love your brothers out of a pure heart, get rid of all this mess in your life. Notice all those words in verse 1 are negative words. He's saying this stuff will destroy the fellowship of the body. This stuff will mess up the relationship of love between brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we see that it destroys our longing for the word of God. Look, look at these words. I want to give you some brief definitions here. Malice is the first word listed. And, and in general, it means badness, okay? Malice means I want to harm someone or something else. It's an ill will, and that ill will destroys harmony. You know, the Bible says that we ought not rejoice when our enemy falls. You know why? Because you can fall. We all need mercy and grace, don't we? If you don't need mercy and grace, it means you're God. I don't think anybody in here is God. So he says, put aside that malice. Put aside that desire to hurt. And, and, and think about Peter's writing to people that are being persecuted. I mean, these New Testament writers, they are seeing persecution just for being Christians. And yet over and over and over in the Bible, he's telling us to not respond in the same way as, as, as they are being treated. And so in the body of Christ, we ought to absolutely put away malice. I've heard, I've heard of people that their whole lives, they're fighting in the same church. You know, one sits on one side, one on the other, just because they can't be together. And that, that's a sad thing. I've seen God heal some of those, and that, that's a blessing thing. Second word there is deceit. It comes from the word decoy. <laughs> That's where we get our word decoy. It's the same idea. If you're going to go hunt ducks, you need some duck decoys. If you're going to hunt turkeys, you need turkey decoys, right? And it helps fool that animal into shooting range. So some people use deceit so they can practice their malice. Pull them in real close. What's the saying? Keep your friends closer and your enemies are close and your enemies closer. That's this idea, this deceit. And, and the next word, I, I got to throw it in there because it, it's related to it. Hypocrisy. It's related to deceit. It's a disingenuousness. It's when you're not honest with somebody. It's when you break their trust. It, you either do it intentionally because you want to you fool them into trusting you so that you can act in malice. 
or hypocrisy. You just don't want them to think bad about you and you put on a false face. That's what the word hypocrisy actually means, to put on a false face. And both of those things break true fellowship. Because I can't pray for you if I don't know the truth about you. I, I, I can't help you unless I don't, if I don't know what it is you need. The next word listed there is the word envy. Envy is the opposite of love because it means I, want, I don't want you to have what you have. I want to get it from you. In fact, the Bible says some people even kill to do that. And it's a desire to have someone else have a downfall for your own personal gain. We, we do that in a very mild way sometimes. Somebody gets a new car and we go, well, can't hide money. Can't live in luxury, you can ride in it. Instead of going, wow, that's cool. God bless you to be able to get a new car. That is awesome. Instead of doing that, we, we envy. And we, and we say it subtly, but what are we saying? We're saying, I don't like that you got something I can't get. Man, we ought to rejoice. If they're our brother, man, thank God. Praise the Lord. Didn't John the Baptist say that? I'm the friend of the bridegroom. I rejoice when he gets his bride. Because I'm his friend. And we ought to rejoice when we see God's will being done in the lives of his people. But man, this last word. You say, well, I, I'm glad. I don't hate nobody. I'm just who I am. I'm, I'm, I don't care what I got. I'm content. But this last one hits probably all of us. Slander. Now you say, well, now I've never lied about anybody. Slander's not lying about people. Slander's telling the truth about people that you don't need to tell. Let me let that sink in for a second. It's not speaking false story. It's speaking anything that, that, that makes them look bad, that disparages them. We might would say that's gossip. And I'm telling you, there's a problem with gossip around here. We hear stuff from people that shouldn't know what they're saying. Somebody has a need, you ought to help them and keep their mouth shut. Right? Okay. I, I, I learned that legally you, could, you can be sued for slander not because you said something that was false, but because you said something that was true that nobody else needed to know. That's slander. But we'd rather talk to each other because it makes us look important if we know something that they don't know. Did you hear about so-and-so? I can't believe it. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? And pretty soon you're lying anyway because you can't gossip without stretching the truth. And Peter comes along and he says, put all that stuff away because it breaks the fellowship of the body. You're not acting in brotherly love with one another. You are not a redeemed person. You're not saved. That's tough, isn't it? Isn't it? That's, that's strong, isn't it? Wow, y'all don't even want to say yes to that? <laughs> I don't know about you, but man, that's, that's tough for me. I read, I read that and thought that through and I went, hmm, that's bad. I don't want to be guilty of these things. Well, he gives us the answer in verse 2. In fact, verse 2 is the main thought here in these three verses 
But he wanted to get this stuff out of the way because you can't get to verse 2 unless you get rid of this other mess. And the only way you can get rid of this other mess has already been in chapter 1, verse 22, that you are now redeemed. you got a brand new spirit. you got a brand new heart that God can work in you and through you. You see, he's, he says here, and let me read that verse again, verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. He is saying some very important things that if you read that casually, you might miss. Because we see in that verse the word infant. And we see the word milk. And two other places in the Bible it says you ought to grow beyond milk. That you ought to get into the hard meat of the word. He's not talking here about about the milk being a beginning thing. He's talking about the desire of an infant for the milk. You with me? That you ought to desire God's word like a baby desires milk. You know, you never have to guess when a baby desires milk, do you? They will let you know at full volume. They will crank it up to 11 on a dial to 10, right? They'll take it up even a bigger notch because they want that milk. And that's what he's saying here. It's not about maturity. It's about how do you get mature. You get mature by crying out for the milk of the word of God. For, for wanting this true spiritual milk. You see, you say, well, in this version, in the King James it says the spiritual milk of the word. Here it just says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Well, in that word, spiritual is the word word. He's saying desire the Word of God is what he is saying. The pure word. The only pure word is the word of God. And so it is inherent in the, in the wording. And ESV didn't explain the translation. It just said exactly what the word is. But it means the word of God. And, and the, the point is that we desire to know what God said. You know how you get to know what God said? You got to read it. We, we, we live in a time... Where you can stay home and get a college degree. Because you can download stuff on your computer now. I mean for many, 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 many years of history. Like all of them up to the last decade or so. You had to get a hard copy book. And you had to have a library because everybody couldn't have that many books. In fact Solomon even said that right in Ecclesiastes. He said, of making many books, there's no end. And much study is a weariness to the flesh. So let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Love God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. So people say, oh, man, I wish I knew more about the Bible. Well, read it. It's not complicated, y'all. Read it. And if you're a believer, you ought to pray and say, Lord, Help me to understand your word. Because the Holy Spirit wrote it. He can interpret it for you. You don't need me to tell you what it says. You can learn that. Because the Holy Spirit will show up and explain it to you too. I'm not special. Not not in a good way. I mean I'm a 2 Corinthians chapter 1 special. I was pretty weak and dumb. God said I'll pick you because you can't take any credit. Because you're too dumb and weak to do this. And I say amen to that. You see, the object of our longing is this pure spiritual milk. 
When I started out, I talked about what have you ever longed for? Do you wake up in the morning longing to know God? Longing to know what does he tell you today? What does he have for you today? I've told this story many times. In fact, I just retold it again in Sunday school time with some new uh, members coming on. That I, there's a question I've only heard twice. My roommate asked someone at school, and then Janice asked me this on a beach, on Myrtle Beach, in, in May of 1987. She looked at me and said, what did God tell you in your quiet time this morning? I said, I ought to pay attention to this girl. So 35 years later, <laughs> amen. What did God tell you today in his word? I could ask you that today. Did, did you open the Did you come to church just because you're supposed to? Or did you come to hear something from God's word? Did you hope that God had given me something to give to you that maybe you, you might have missed? Or I, it, it, listen, I, I, I forget the exact circumstances, but I've, I've preached sermons and had people walk up and go, you know, I was thinking about that while you were saying that, and they'll tell me something I never thought of. That's awesome. That's great. Because God doesn't tell me everything, just tells me what he wants me to tell you right now. What I want to do, because I can't make you drink, but I can put salt in your oats, so you'll want to drink. And that's what I'm trying to do. I want you to get into God's word. I want you to come and say, Pastor, what does this mean? Because I'm looking at it, this is what I'm thinking. And if people have come after sermons and said, hey, what about this? You know what? That's great. We'd want to desire to know God's will, and that's the good news. We can know God's will if we just open this and look. People say, what does God want? I go, read it. <laughs> there it is. I would also say that there's a result of our longing. The object of our longing is the milk of the word of God, or the word of God, actually, the very word of God. But what is the result of longing for this pure spiritual milk? Well, if you long for it, you're going to get to it. And, and, and as you read the God's word, you will grow up into salvation. Now, I, I want to define the word grow, but I feel like you know what grow means. It means to get bigger and better, right? You grow. You, you expand. You might expand knowledge. I used to grow taller. Now I'm growing wider. You know, that, that's how it works in life. But, but you begin to grow into maturity. When we tell people, why don't you grow up and be mature, that doesn't help them. But when we say, get in God's word, you will grow and become mature. We so many times emphasize the result, but never the means. Here's the means. Read God's word. And let God's word speak to you. Ask him to help you as you read God's word. And not knowledge, but obedience to God's word. According to chapter 1, verse 22, when you obey that word, you grow. You know, there is a... There is a, a, a scientific belief that if you eat the right foods and you get enough rest and you lift heavy weights, your muscles will grow. Did you know that? Did you know that, Steve? Did you know that's a fact? Yeah. Did you know that, Brother Clint? Yeah. But y'all aren't lifting any weights right now or sleeping or eating the right food, so... Must not be growing. I'm, I'm teasing these guys because they're friends. I can do that. Do you get the point? You're not going to grow unless you do it. 
We can know we ought to do it, but until we do it, it doesn't mean anything. We got to actually do it. You see, we long for the pure word which causes growth as a result. It has to do with our obedience to our understanding, not just our understanding. The grasp of the subject has to come first, what, to know what it says. But if it doesn't result in an action, it's worthless. God's word is worthless to us if all we do is read it. We need to read it, let it teach us, and then obey what it taught us. And so many times we don't want to obey it, not because we don't understand it, but because it would mean we have to act differently, do differently, live differently. But notice what he said at the end of that verse. In chapter 2, verse 2, at the end of the verse, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Does that mean I'm not saved? No, we've explained this. There's a point in time when I understand that, that as a human being, I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. I was absolutely lost. And when I understood that and I knew Jesus was that Savior and I opened my heart and life to him and I said, please take over, be the Lord of my life. He saved me, he sealed me. And then every day since then, I've been being saved every day. I'm growing in understanding and maturity. And then there's coming this day where I cross that line from this life to the next life. And he completely saves me. Y'all following that, right? Amen. And so we grow up into the salvation that we already have. I'm not going to get more salvation. It's just a process he's working in my life. That I already have salvation, but I grow in that salvation. But it also means we're growing toward that final salvation. It it does mean what you first thought it meant. It means that if you are not in his word, understanding it and obeying it, that's a sign you don't know him. Nobody ever has, I did not have any child born into our family where I had to say, now listen, if you feel hungry, I need you to cry. No, they were hungry and they let us know they desired that milk. If you're born into God's family, you want to know what daddy has to say to you. And you want to do what daddy said. You want to know what does this Milk of the word of God, teach me and tell me. You say, how are you getting that? I think that's an exaggeration. Well, that's because we haven't read verse 3 again yet. If you've tasted and see that the Lord is good. Notice that word if. I've taught you all that when you receive the word if in an English Bible, it, it is a Greek word that can mean since or if. And in fact, I read some commentators on this. And they said, you could say since, but in the context, it's correct to translate it if. You will grow into that eternal salvation if you've already tasted that the Lord is good. You see, when you first meet God and you realize, man, this is good. Now I want some more of that and some more of that. 
and some more of that and some more of that and some more of that into eternity and then I want some more of that and some more of that and we never outgrow the desire to know God more. And if you don't have that desire, you better check your experience. I'm not saying if you don't read your Bible every day, you're lost. What I'm saying is if you don't have the desire, if you never feel like, man, I need to get into the Word, you might ought to check, have I tasted that the Lord is good? The test to know that you've tasted the Lord of good is the desire for the Word of God, number one, and then it's obedience to what He says. You need to examine your life. Are the negatives in verse 1 in your life? The Bible says get rid of those. This isn't unusual. And in, in, in God says this in Romans 6, 7, and 8. When you know God, you realize this stuff's in your life. You need to get rid of that stuff. It's in Galatians 5. It's here in 1 Peter. There, that, that when you're saved, you realize there's a bunch of junk in there. Even though God saved you, you still got a bunch of junk you need to get out of there. And when you get rid of that, as, as you're getting rid of that, you're growing in grace. You're growing in God's word. You're, you're knowing more and more and more and more. But knowing him and growing in him will cause you to want to get rid of those things. So you say, how do you do that? How do I do that? Well, I'll give you some suggestions. Pick one book in the Bible and start reading it today. In fact, get a notebook. And as you read it, write down, wow, what does that mean? Wow, I never saw that before. Huh, I got to ask somebody about this one. Wow, I didn't know God was like that. And just start writing it down and make the markers on it. You know, I'd say label it. Chapter 1, verse 1. Man, it says this. What does that mean? Whatever it might be. Just pick a book. You say, which book? Well, I would discourage you from starting in the book of Numbers. Other than that, they're all pretty good. All right? But if you really want to press me, go to either the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark. Great place to start. But just start reading God's Word, and every day you go to read it, say, God, show me, show me what you want me to see today. If you read one verse, great. If you read a chapter, great. Read the whole book at one sitting, great. I don't care. But get into God's Word and write it down as you go through. So that if you have some questions, you can ask. Then secondly... Recognize the lies of the enemy by knowing God's word. You see, Satan puts a recording in your head in life as a kid. You start believing lies, and it's like a tape player. When something happens in your life, you hit that play button, and that's what comes out. And it's a lie from Satan. It's just, you got to take that out. Paul said that. We destroy the strongholds of Satan with spiritual weapons. We tear down the strongholds that we can know his truth. In Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God is. And that's just your reasonable service of worship. God calls us to get brainwashed because our minds are dirty. And you wash them with the Word of God. And when Satan hits that play button and you know it's contrary to the Word of God, you go, that's a lie from you, Satan, and I know where you're headed and I ain't going there. 
Because you're going to hell and I'm not. I'm going to heaven and that's a lie. And I'm going to replace that thought with what the Bible tells me. Philippians gives you a list in chapter 4. You ought to, you ought to in chapter 2 and chapter 4 of Philippians. Recognize the lies of the enemy by knowing God's word. They don't teach bank tellers how to recognize counterfeits. They teach them how to recognize the real thing. And when it don't look like the real thing, then it's the wrong thing. And you only do that by saturating yourself in the word of God. So replace the lie Satan's planted in your mind with the truth out of the word of God. Satan says I'm worthless. God says you are worth me dying for. Satan says you can't do anything. And I say you're right, but in Christ I can do everything. Anything I need to. By his power and his will. Right? Satan wants to destroy, kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I came to give you life, give it abundantly. And we can't live that abundant life. We let all that verse 1 dwell in our life. We got to get rid of that. And desire God's word to help teach us so our lives can be transformed by his grace.